720 WGN. One of my favorite people is on the line right now. And uh, I did a documentary with Craig Hodges back in the day, uh, highlighting his activism when he was in the league, uh, which included two championships with the Chicago Bulls in 1991 and, and 1992. He's also, I'll say arguably, the greatest three-point shooter in the history of the game. He's, all, he, he's certainly the only one that hit 19 straight in the three-point contest. Craig Hodges, thank you so much uh, for taking time and being on WGN tonight. Oh, man, first of all, I just thank God for giving us a chance to meet on the airways, man, and Hopefully everybody's safe during this chaotic period of time in our history, man. It's exactly, it's a great way of putting it. And, you know, I, I talked to you, I don't know now, it's 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 maybe three or four years, and I and this was uh, right when uh, Colin Kaepernick was, was doing his protest. And right. you were coaching the Richie's basketball team at the time. And you, you, you told mm-hmm. me a story how, how your students were coming up to you and saying, hey, Craig, you know, we want to do the same thing uh, that Colin was doing, right. and 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 explain. You know, tell everybody how you, how you told him no, and 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 why you said that. Right, and, and the reason being is that you know some of the strides that people make. You know, you have to study what you're doing and, and understand the ramifications of it. And, and like I told them at the time, you know, it'll come a time in your life when you find out what it is you really want to stand for, and you don't want to. You don't want to ever be considered as part of a fad. You want to be something that's pragmatic in its approach. You don't want to be reactionary. You know, you want to make sure that you, it's a well thought out plan that you plan on doing something the way that Colin did. And, you know, he had his ducks in the road to be able to do it. So that's what, you know, it's about planning, man, and being strategic about what you're doing. And you're trying to get to these younger people early in their life to, to explain the importance of that because you don't want to be part of that that group mentality all the time. You want to have your own personal beliefs and thoughts and, and then carry those through. No doubt, and I think that's the part that education plays and, and being able to find your passion early. I was blessed to be part of the civil rights movement early in my life and, you know, it struck a chord with me that remains to this very day. And in, and in that vein, you know, just want to give out, you know, you know, condolences to all of the families that have lost loved ones to police violence and the COVID-19 crisis. All of this stuff is, is uh, ridiculous, man. And, it, and that's part of the reason why I say that to young folks, education is so critical, especially during this lockout time. And back in that day when I was telling my young athletes that, you know, the only way anybody's going to ever get a chance to see you play is that if you're a good student first. And that's why it's called student athleticism. And that being the case, man, I just ask everybody, just research and study and, and keep searching for the truth. Greg Hodges, class act with us here on, on 720 WGN. Can you just go back in time, Greg, and kind of explain like the the the, uh, the household environment that you were growing up in where you were kind of being probed to learn all this stuff, then you went out to Long Beach State and and, yeah. and, and built on that. So there's, there's, there's a lot in yeah. your background that got you to where you're at today. Yeah, and, and once again, you know, I say I, I was blessed, man. I was blessed for my soul to come down into the Hodges household where I had my granddad who was like the patriarch, and then I had my granny who was the matriarch, and as far as making sure the house was cool and, and granddad went out and did the work, and it just was a thing where the student athleticism part was there for me. My aunts were all educators, so they taught me how to read before I even got to school, so reading and writing was always a thirst of mine so when i published my book in 2017 it was something that i should have probably did 20 years earlier but in time and in learning 
you learn how to go about things. So for me, I was blessed to have my mom, who was the secretary of the civil rights organization. And in the 60s, it wasn't babysitter. So I was right there with her at the meeting, sitting between her and the president of the organization and watching real live leadership. And it didn't have to come from the outside. I was blessed to have, you know, primary role models in both athletics as well as community service and uh, social activism. And, you know, then having a chance for Tex Winter to recruit me for Northwestern throughout my high school career. And then my senior year, him getting a job in Long Beach State. And me going to Long Beach State on basketball, not even knowing that the African-American History Department was one of the best in the country and having an, an inkling early in life when I got a chance to study that at Long Beach State under Dr. Karinga and Dr. Khaled Muhammad. I was blessed, man, to have had great mentors who taught me research methods and how to be solution-based and not to be reactionary to any type of thing. But think about it and, and think in terms of long-term vision. Craig, I'm, I'm curious about you know leadership from your perspective, too. When you, you're a freshman in college, then you're a, a rookie in the NBA, and you know people will say, you know, you haven't done anything here to be this kind of a leader. But, but how did you take that, and what, what kind of approach did you look at when you were a freshman in college and then also when you're your first year in the NBA? Well, when I was a freshman in college, once again, Tex Winter told us, <clears throat> me, it was four of us who came uh, to Long Beach from the Chicago area, myself, Bill Gary, Crawford Richmond, and Tony Cunningham. And he told us all that if we stayed with him, we would be in somebody's training camp after we were done. That's all I needed. So as a freshman, I was just happy-go-lucky. I found, you know, basketball to be exciting. And then I found my studies to be even more exciting than basketball. So it became a thing where the more I studied, seemed like my game became not only better but easier. So it was a duel that, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And that's why I tell people when they get a chance, and this is, it's a sad time for student athletes around the country, you know, and the world as far as this being on lockdown and you not being able to, you know, I think about the spring athletes in Chicago and every place else who needed to go downstate for track to get that time or get that distance that they needed to get a scholarship. And a lot of that is the race, man. So <clears throat> there's a whole new paradigm coming out of this thing. And I think, you know, everybody should think in terms of where you can fit and what your passion is and how you can come out of it with a somewhat entrepreneurial spirit. Craig's book, by the way, is Long Shot, The Triumphs and Struggles of an NBA Freedom Fighter, if you want to check it out. And, and Craig joining us right now on 720 WGN. So how do we, in, in your mind, Hodge, how do we go forward from here? I, I, I think that like every rational person, right, the killing of George Floyd and so many others, completely and utterly beyond unacceptable and horrific. Mm-hmm. And... Right. And then protesting is absolutely, uh, in, in my mind, encouraged, and it's a beautiful part of this country. Taking advantage mm-hmm. in a protest and benefiting yourself by taking items, not something that, that helps anything. I, and I, but aside from any of that, like, you know, what, do you, what do you see as a path forward to you know, bringing people together? Because ultimately, that's, that's really what we need uh, you know, if you look long-term here. You know, and that's, you know, brother... That's the uh, that's the part of this whole thing for me that it's a duality. It's a burden and a blessing. You know, the burden is that a lot of the illnesses and bad dealings that have gone on are starting to come to light. 
Now we have to figure from the blessing end, how do we go forward to make sure that this next generation is free from all of those ills that have, you know, stopped the human family from moving forward. So one of the things for me as an African descendant of African people, man, is that over the centuries, we have never really taken a strong critical view from an American end into the foundational, you know, the foundational portions of this nation, whether it be when all men are created equal, and that wasn't the case, whether it be us in the 60s and 70s still trying to fight for civil rights, still fighting for voting rights, and to hear like now there's some people who say we need to have voter IDs and the like, so at which point in time, at which point in time are you going to accept a man for a man, a woman for a woman, whoever whoever you choose to be, you have the power to define who you are. And I think anyone that violates that right and that privilege under God to have, you know, your next breath, be your next breath, that's that's utterly shameful, man. So I think many of I think many of the politicians who have been in power for years have a, a very serious question to ask themselves of how much of this have I been involved in that I turned a blind eye to that it got to this point. So you know, for me, it's just a matter of I've always one of the things that that we who have been athletes and who have had a chance to get scholarships and the like, we have had an opportunity, especially from the uh, from the black side of things that. We've had to indoctrinate ourselves to a certain part of the American culture and the American dream to be able to be successful on any kind of level. Now, on the flip side of that, many people who are white and, and who have had a certain privilege in this thing called America, they haven't had that test. And I think we have to look in our mirror and see where we have garnered that white privilege if we're white and, and question it for what it is. It wasn't right that I got an advantage over another people just because they don't look like me. And those are the type of issues that we haven't addressed. And many of us, be it myself, Magnoud Abdul-Raouf, when we address these issues within the realm of our occupation, we were vilified. I lost, man, probably $20 million, $30 million, just based on the fact that I wrote a letter to the president and wore a dashiki to the White House, and people took that as me being some type of rabble-rouser, militant, and I never owned a weapon. I don't have a gun. I don't, I think in terms of the most high protecting me and the angelic being. So it's not a, it's a, it's not a, a militaristic mindset that we have. So when I saw that police officer on that brother, on, on my brother George Floyd's neck, man, and then I see the brother down, I'll be down in, in Georgia getting chased down and shot down. Now how can, how can anybody in their rational mind under America and whoever you are, come on, man, this is, this is 2020, and we have a group of uh, graduating seniors who cannot even have a graduation because of the madness of a virus. And then we add this on top of it. What are they thinking? What, are, what does the future look like for an 18-year-old graduating who has no idea of how the new paradigm is going to pan out? And we who are adults, I'm a 59-year-old man. What can I tell them? What can I tell them school is going to look like? What can I tell them athletics is going to look like? Yeah, I got to get you to train. Well, where can I train, Hodge? I can't go in the gym, man. I can't. Man, brother, run your miles, do your push-ups, do your crunches, dribble your ball outside, but be safe. 
Be, if you see any madness going down on the street, if you see people getting together, go the other way. Go to the crib. Chill. And and that's the part that's so crazy about this whole thing, man, is that we have to teach our children a whole new way of thinking on just being safe but so that they can live another day. And that's, that's a sad situation for us to be in when we think about the, except, the exceptionalism that is the American way. And is it truly that way when we really stop and take a cold, critical look at our history and where we are today? Hey, Hodge, can you hang on through a quick little time out here? I just want to read you some statements from some athletes and get your reaction, if that's cool. No, no problem, buddy. All right. Let me put Appreciate Craig, it. Let me put Craig on hold here. I'll keep the conversation rolling here. Quick time out. Back in two minutes, 720 WGN. WGN, Mark Carmen, Andy Mazur with you, and uh, Craig Hodges is our guest right now on the line. Andy, go ahead, my friend. I know you're up. Yeah, Craig, I was just curious, too, because, you know, you, you talk about mm-hmm. the times changing because you, know, you were you were viewed as one sort of a person when you were speaking out, and now it's almost encouraged and almost the responsibility for some of these African-American athletes to come out on their platforms, whether it be Twitter or Instagram. I mean, are you finding that the same way? Yeah, and that, you know, and that's the, that's the beautiful part of it. Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you guys uh, and, and help and need to is that Dr. John Carlos is one of my heroes. I had a chance to speak to him the other day, about a week ago. And it's just, it's really a, a baton that's being passed, man. And, and what he told me was that, when they when they had the Olympic protests in 1968, they understood that the changes systematically were too strong at that period of time for them to be able to do it. But they felt like they were planting seeds. And he told me how happy he was to see that the position that I took, the position that Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf took, and that to see the young players today and the and the um, you know them being able to you know, foster support instantaneously compared to back in the day when if a, if a news agency or news outlet wanted to talk to a team, they wouldn't talk to uh, to me because they didn't want to be on the bad side of a team or something like that. Well, it's a total different situation now, and I applaud the players for having the courage to do it. And likewise, um, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you, you guys about over the airways is that I would like to see if there's any way we can bring – Dr. John Carlos and Dr. Tommy Smith to Chicago and honor them, man, for the legacy of what they did in fostering a generation of people who thought consciously about human rights. And one of the things that, you know, I look at just the impact that Muhammad Ali had on people all over the planet and during that generation. And I just, you know, I compare the imagery of I want to be like Mike and had Cassius Clay taken that same approach from a um, capitalistic end or someone would have bought it to him that way, we wouldn't we wouldn't have we wouldn't have Muhammad Ali. So it's certain it's certain uh, things that we have to look back historically to understand why we stand on the platforms that we stand on and, and realize what they meant at the time and what they continue to mean until we, we see that justice and equality and, and, and freedom is, is true indeed. Well, it's interesting bringing up Muhammad Ali, Craig, because if you go back in time, now I wasn't alive, now i got old brothers who are 15 and 20 years older than me, and they, mm-hmm. lo- they loved Ali, but a lot of people no did not love Ali, right? He was, right. He, he, no was he was not beloved, but, it, 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 you know, through the uh, beauty of time, he, he died a beloved man in this country. So I think it's just kind of a reminder that 
here here was a guy who was you know certainly on the on the on the right side right and it was trying to do all right. do well for humanity but in the moment it's not always pretty yeah and, and you know and that's the thing man is that a lot of times uh you counter to what the mainstream is and and it feels like you're swimming upstream, but at the same time, if you're courageous and, and you know, so oftentimes, man, you, you're doing what you know is right and you're not consider you're not considering the ramifications. And even if you did consider them, it's a matter of principle. And I think that's the biggest part, you know, for me, Muhammad Ali, you know, we always, we always hear this thing about the goat, the goat, the goat. To me, he's the greatest of all time and everything else is just a copy thereof, man, because, the image and legacy that he left for athletes to be able to champion the causes of less fortunate people, human rights, is something that, that you know, will always be endeared to, to a lot of people in our generation, whether you like to Islam or not, you know, whether you like his position on the war or not, you like his, you know, his charisma, you like his, his ability in the ring and his ability out of the ring to communicate whether it be him float like a butterfly, sing like a bee, or whatever, he he was he had a certain thing that especially appealed to young people, and just the fact of, hey man, I I have an opportunity to be something great, and he taught us that greatness was within your reach. I that's that's beautiful, and uh, I'm just looking at all these statements from, you know. African-American athletes, white athletes. I'm looking at one from Zach Ertz right now. Over the past few days, my emotions have been swirly, consistently trying to come up with the perfect words to write in regards to George Floyd and the tragic murder that took place in Minnesota. With, with that being said, even the thought of trying to come up with the perfect saying is so damn selfish. What I do know is that mm-hmm. I am so unbelievably sorry. I'm sorry for the pain and the hurt of the African-American community has endured. Uh, by another human, and more than anything, I'm sorry that you feel that you are alone in this situation. I, I guess I, you know, I'm reading it, you know, to you, Craig, and, and to, to everyone, really, just to remind myself more than anything else that we we have come a long way. There are, there is a, a reaction that's going on today that we perhaps wouldn't have seen in the past from so many people weighing in on. You know, this is this is unheralded. It's unheard of, brother. And that's why I'm telling people this is a different time. It's a different energy. It's the fact that you have white athletes, you have people who are Caucasian who are standing in front of black people in in lines and protests, telling the police, "You're not going to get to these people like this." You know, it's a certain it's a certain energy and consciousness that's coming across the planet. I don't know whether it's because we were, you know, people have been all together and locked down on the same level or whatever, but I know that. It's something that's on, that's spiritually happening, and, and it's just sad that you know brothers Floyd and Aubrey and all all the other ones that went before us had to die, you know, senselessly. But it's like you say about Ali and everything else. You know, the spirit of what they died for will carry weight for the future generations as far as them being able to be held up as truly saints for what they done. Craig Hodges with us here for just a couple more moments on 720 WGN. Craig, we really appreciate the time. I just want to remind people, too, when you brought a letter to the White House, it wasn't like you were blaming the White House or, or blaming anyone. You were just trying to bring awareness to something. It wasn't like, Absolutely. right? I mean, I, I, just right. Think, I think that's an important thing. I think the biggest thing is during that period of time, people were looking at the war in Iraq and all of that, and they were thinking that I was speaking um, against the war, but that wasn't it at all. My thing was, 
you know, based on, like I said, Ali and, and what the brothers that did during the Olympics, I wanted to I wanted to bring forth the issues of people who wouldn't get a chance to go to the White House, people who had been disenfranchised, homeless, people who are who have no hope. And when I when I look around me and in, in the uh, community where I'm from, as far as African American, I wanted to make sure I brought those issues that my mom and the civil rights organizations from around the country who never got a chance to meet with the president. I speak on their on their behalf as well because. That's the shoulders I'm standing on, like Kareem says, standing on the shoulders of the giant. And that being the case, a lot of times their issues haven't been spoken about. And I just wanted to ask the president, and not only the president, but whoever else would read the letter, you know, to consider, you know, consider their issues. Because me as a champion, I've, I've been blessed to, you know, get a chance to come to, the, you know, the edifice that, that everybody considers the number one freedom place in the world. So... At that point in time, it's important for me to come not just for myself, but come for those and to come and think in terms of the human humanistic part of things, man, because I was blessed, man, and and all of us who have been champions and, and get a chance. So when some teams boycott going to the White House, I, I kind of differ because I feel like, you know, that's your house. You know, we, we, who, uh, we may not always feel that, we have the rights, but, man, so much blood from my ancestors have been shed here. We have a right, like anyone else uh, who has come from Ireland or Italy or any place else through the Statue of Liberty, even though we came through the halls of slave ships, I still know for a fact that we we have given as much as any nation in this country for this nation. So we stand on, we stand like that, man, and know that we've been blessed and and when I went to the White House, I wanted, <clears throat> and President Bush was cool, man. That's that's the thing that people don't, you know, people didn't ever really ask me. But President Bush was cool. I think it came from, you know, the NBA and, and owners, owners who looked as though that it might be an embarrassment or something to the league. But for anyone who was on our media trips all the time knew that throughout those two championship runs, I wore African garments and dashikis throughout the playoffs both years. And you shot it well on that White House lawn, for the record. What was you, with 10 of 10? Man, I, and you know what's so funny about that, man? If you ever get a chance to look at the, if you ever get a chance to look at that steel picture, man, I have a, I have a smile on my face. And I tell people, it, it felt so good. Because I grew up, you know, we grew up playing at the park. So I'm like, man, I'm playing at the best park court on earth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's no way I can miss it. And it was so it was funny. Because DJ, the week before Duke had went, and Grant Hill made like eight or nine bank shots in a row. And, you know, President Bush said, yeah, Duke came, and Grant Hill made this. So BJ took off his little three-piece jacket, his little three-piece suit, knocked down 10 in a row from there. And then uh, Phil tells him, yeah, Mr. President, uh, he can shoot, but that's not our best shooter. And he was like, what? And Phil's like, come on, hot shoot some. I was like, Phil, I'm too clean, man. Look at me. I'm too clean. <laughs> and we started laughing. And then I was like, come on, Will. And Will started rebounding the ball, and I started shooting. After I made like five or six, he was like, Barbara, you got to come over here and see this. <laughs> so it was, uh, for me, man, it was the coolest trip of a lifetime. And to be able to write the most important letter I've ever written in my life, man, and, and deliver it on behalf of those who may not be able to even write or not speak, but to be able to speak on their behalf, man. So it was a cool day for me. 
Hodge, we're up against the news. You're awesome. Thanks so much for being on and telling stories. Hey, yeah, I appreciate it, Sean. Once again, everybody, stay blessed. And uh, I'll be reaching out to you guys. Uh, hopefully we can bring John Carlos and Tommy Smith to Chicago and honor them for the heroes that they are. Absolutely. Craig Hodges. Thanks, Craig. News Now, 720 WGN.